0: This program contains grown-up themes and language that the FCC doesn't like. Use your common sense. You're listening to Beautiful Red, a novel by M. Darusha Wayne. Find out more at darusha.ca slash beautifulred. Beautiful Red 20. The system was different. At first, Jack nearly panicked when she realized that her 3D rendering engine couldn't handle the configuration of the red system and showed her nothing but an empty blue void. But, after backing out and viewing the system using her terminal emulator, Jack was able to navigate the system. She got a feel for the layout, finding her way through the hierarchical structure eventually she banged up against the point where her dummy users permissions ended she breathed deeply and turned away from her task for a moment she had an assignment from the shift captain and she guessed that if it didn't get done they might come checking up on her she pulled out her bag of tricks and quickly modified a script to do her job for her she got it running under her own user ID and set it to notify her when it was done so she could check the work she switched back to the dummy ID and held her breath. She started cracking into the higher-level systems. It was slow going because she was trying to be careful about leaving traces. Occasionally she would switch back to her real ID and check on the script, but it seemed to be doing fine. After what seemed like an eternity, but was really more like six or seven minutes, she was in. All the way up to Red 1, the highest access level. She was somewhat surprised to see that it was mostly just repositories for each of the staffers. She opened one at random, and saw viewer logs, lesson plans, personal journals, the usual stuff you would find on a personal system. She went straight to Rackham's area and started poking around. She found the text of a few lectures, an accounting file, and a list of goals for the movement. She opened the list of goals and started to read. It was clearly a public relations piece, since there was nothing earth-shattering on there, and the tone didn't sound anything like the man she'd talked to the previous night at the bar. It didn't even sound like the speech she'd heard at the open house. She realized that she wasn't going to find the evidence just lying around marked with an X. She needed the equivalent of a map. She switched back to her own user account to check on the script and got an idea. She still had a copy of the code she had found at the Byside client delivery system, and she could just write a script to compare the code fragment to the contents of all the files on the system. She found a search script in her local systems and began modifying it to suit the RED system. She tested it a few times on the lower level system, looking for known strings, and it seemed to be pretty successful at finding what she was looking for. She input one of the code fragments from the BuySide raid and set the script to run over the entire RED1 system. She knew it would take some time and switched back to her own account while she waited. The script for her assignment finished, and she checked its work. It was perfectly fine. No one would ever know that Jack hadn't done it all by hand. She had to wonder why they didn't just use scripts for most of the work. It was a real waste of time having people do it manually. As she was thinking of other ways to automate the various jobs that were assigned to the programmer's lab, her search script notified her that it had found a match. She felt her heartbeat quicken and sweat break out all over her body, as if she had a fever. She swallowed hard and switched over to the dummy account. She opened up the matching file and saw that it was definitely one of the tools used to break into Byside. This was conclusive evidence. She hadn't been on a wild goose chase after all. Her hunch about Rackham had paid off, and she figured that it would be fairly easy now to prove that he was the one who was behind the mind control problems. She double-checked, and her script told her that this was the only match in the whole system. So it had to be him. Just to be sure, she ran the command to show which area the file was located in. And she nearly lost her lunch when she saw that it wasn't Rackham who'd broken into Byside. It was Lars. Jack was stunned. Lars? Sure, she hardly knew the man, and a few hours of grab-ass the night before didn't change that fact, but he seemed so... Benign. How could anyone who taught ancient body language and wanted to talk about his feelings be responsible for the horrors she had seen? It didn't make sense. Or maybe she just didn't want it to make sense. Maybe she was wrong. Maybe this didn't prove anything. She wished she'd never come here. A chime sounded, indicating that her shift was almost over, and it brought her mind back to reality. She had to be sure so she took a risk and started a file dump of Lars's entire area to her local system. She had to turn off her automatic recording routine and trash some temp files to make room, but she was pretty sure she'd be able to get it all. The weight in her head as the download took place was painful, but she welcomed it. She knew the throbbing would end once the files were all received and hoped that the roiling feeling in her stomach would end as well. The chime for the end of her shift sounded, but she waited a few moments for the download to finish. She logged out of the system, not bothering to take the time to ensure that any traces of her visit were erased. She left the labs in a daze and walked straight back to her room. Once inside, she took off her clothes and got into the shower. She set the shower to remain on until she turned it off manually and stayed under the water for a long time. She alternately tried to make herself not care about the situation, "'forget her relationship with Lars, minimize its significance. "'Anything to get through the next few hours.' "'Eventually, she brought up the image of Estella Rowan's face. "'She focused on the small knot of rage and pity "'that had built inside her since the moment she found Rowan's ravaged mind, "'and finally shut off the water. "'She dried herself under the blower, "'left the bathroom and got into the small bed. "'She lay back, closed her eyes, and started sifting through the files from Lars' system. At first, she tried to group them according to their titles, but quickly realized that as a basic security precaution, he hadn't labeled any of them, obviously, so she would have to scan through them all. Fine. She set to work. She sifted through his teaching schedule, a few academic-style essays regarding the loss of physicality in modern society, and some of his correspondence with family in Europe. None of these files contained any hint of a reason for breaking into random systems, let alone an indication that he was behind the mind-control program. Then Jack came across some specks from the original European study with the bonobos, and her heart sank. She realized she had again grown hopeful that she was wrong, that Lars wasn't the one. She scanned through the information, and saw that he had filled the document with marginalia about adapting the tool to human use. Jack checked the author information, and the annotations were all attributed to Lars. It was circumstantial evidence, but it was proof enough for Jack. She kept looking through his files and found some strange documents labeled Beautiful Red. Most of the files were schematics about huge racks of disk. She looked through them and saw that Lars was trying to get large quantities of disk networked together to run a program he was developing called The Maker. Jack ran a search and found the beginnings of the code for the maker. She read through the code, expecting to see the mind control program. Instead, it seemed to be a fully recursive program that did nothing but analyze itself. Jack could see why you would need a lot of disk for it, but couldn't see any reason why you'd want to run such a program. It was unfinished, and Jack could tell from the dates and the modifications that this fragment was the first version. There were indications that a subsequent version had been written, but she could find no copy of it among the files she'd downloaded. She found some more files tagged BR, and quickly scanned through them. It was a strange mix of information. There were some more specs from the European chimpanzee study, several clippings from boards devoted to the creation and study of intelligent agents, some philosophical studies of sentience, and old work on creating artificial intelligence. That last grouping was pretty strange. Long ago, scientists had concluded that intelligent agents could only ever achieve sentience through an evolutionary-type process, that only through learning could they become self-aware. While it hadn't happened yet, this was the commonly accepted theory. But Lars had been collecting work from before that theory became common, designs for ways to create fully sentient machines from scratch. Jack scanned through the documents, but there wasn't anything she found interesting there. It was just full of old theories that would interest a historian more than they would a programmer. She kept searching through the files she had taken, looking for connections, evidence, looking for answers. She skimmed over the names of the files and directories tagged BR again. AI slash docs Building log Root access V2.6 Sentient slash docs Study 756 slash specs The Maker V1.1 Her eye stumbled on what appeared to be a program, root access. She opened it up in her terminal emulator and started reading the code. She gasped, realizing that this was the mind control program. She opened her eyes and sat up, gasping for breath. She had been looking through the files for about an hour and she needed water. She got out of the bed, grabbed a bottle from the cupboard. She drank it and put on some clothes. She walked around the small room, getting energy back into her body. This was it the evidence she needed. She left her room and walked back to the programmer's lab, still gripping her water bottle as if she were trying to strangle it. She arrived at the lab and snuck into one of the unused areas. There was a shift on, but it was a small crew working and Jack was pretty sure she hadn't been seen. She logged into the system using her dummy ID and quickly got into Lars' directory. She dropped a script she'd quickly written on her way over into the top level of his directory and backed out. "'Then she started looking for a way out of the local system and on to everywhere "'She wanted to contact someone, anyone, and tell them what she'd found, "'but it soon became clear that the red system was completely closed. "'Frustrated but determined, she logged out of her system and snuck out of the building. "'She was supposed to be meeting Lars for drinks in half an hour. "'Part of her wanted to just leave now and turn him into the authorities. "'But she'd come so far and found so little, really.' She needed to know why. She went straight to the bar and ordered a very large, very strong gin and tonic. She was halfway through the liquid courage when he walked in. She had planned all kinds of clever things to say, violence to perform and cutting looks to deliver. But when she saw him, her first reaction was that she must have made some kind of mistake. He seemed so kind to people, so interested in their welfare, and now he looked so happy to see her— "'that Jack had a hard time believing her own conclusions. "'He waved to her and gestured that he was going to the bar first. "'She nodded and drank more of her G&T, "'her well-rehearsed lines dying unsaid in her mind. "'He came to the table with a couple of real ales for them both "'and set them down. "'He leaned over to kiss her, "'but Jack put her hand on his chest, stopping him. "'What's beautiful red?' she asked, "'her voice soft as she looked him in the eyes.' His pupils dilated, and he looked as if she'd hit him in the stomach. What? How? he stammered. I... where did you hear that? Jack swallowed hard. I've been through your directory on Red One, she said matter-of-factly. She sighed, air escaping her lungs as if she were deflating. Just tell me and get it over with. Lars looked around him, as if preparing to run away. Then Jack could tell he just gave up. He looked as if someone had let the air out of him as well as he sagged into his chair. He took a large drink from his beer and said, "'I was just in there dropping off some class notes. "'You're very good. I didn't notice a thing.' Jack closed her eyes, breathing slowly and carefully. She could feel her eyes stinging and her throat was closing. She fought her body, and opening her eyes, she said, "'Just tell me what it is, Lars.' so he did zero zero one 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 I pulled out all my implants today the pain was strong but I took a glass of Demerade so I didn't care now my face looks like someone attacked me with a fistful of knives but I can have it fixed tomorrow if this ends the blackouts the terror and the horrible almost memories that will be worth it even if I have to stay this way forever. There's blood everywhere, on my clothes and hands. On the table in front of me is this pile of silver in a slick red puddle. I want it gone, all of it. I want to melt it down and throw it into the river. But first, sleep. You've been listening to Beautiful Red by M. Derisha Wayne. Find out more at d-a-r-u-s-h-a dot c-a slash beautiful red or subscribe for free at patiobooks.com The theme music is low-level format by Bjorn Fogelberg. Learn more about Bjorn's music at fogelberg.com and you can buy the album Karushi Porn at magnatune.com. If you have feedback, I'd love to hear it. Leave a comment on the website, send email to Derusha at Derusha.ca, leave a comment on the Patio Books site, or call the listener line at 206-984-2976. Thanks for listening.